You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views and the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. It is brought to you by Solaray Energy, designing and installing solar and storage solutions so you can run your electric vehicle the smart way on solar. G'day there listeners and welcome to another edition of The Driven Podcast. My name is Nigel Morris uh, and I'm your guest host for this week. And surprise, surprise, I'm going to talk about my favourite topic in the entire world, electric motorcycles. That's second, of course, to my wife and family. Um, electric motorcycles, as you know, is something that uh, I get super excited about. I love the tech, I love riding, and you know what's better than marrying the two together? Even better than hearing me talk about electric motorbikes, though, is I've got a guest this week, and it's actually a guest who is a really, really fascinating person, even better. Sam Baker is uh, an American animator who and filmmaker who lives in New Zealand and is a bit obsessed with electric motorcycles. Uh, Sam's become something of a celebrity since he launched a YouTube channel called New Zero Land a few years ago, which is a, it's actually a fascinating and quirky view into the world of electric motorcycle ownership. Uh, it's got more than 6,000 subscribers now and is probably one of the top ranking uh, YouTube channels in the sector. Welcome, Sam. Oh yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Sam and I have never met face to face. We've exchanged a a few emails over the years and, and, and on, on Facebook, and we nearly met once when I was in Wellington, but that didn't happen. Um, but it's great to, um, to have a chance to have a chat, Sam. We'll, it's, we'll just pretend we're having a nice cold beer like we were going to when <laughs> I was in Wellington, eh? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so give us your backs. To... Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's all right. We've got, a, we've got a slight lag here, so just, uh, we'll just have to go with it. Um, give us your backstory, Sam. How and why does someone build a career as an animator and then become an electric motorcycle YouTube star? What the hell happened there? Well, um, yeah, great question. Uh, so when I was a kid, I, you know, I watched a lot of like Claymation and, um, you know, Wallace and Gromit and uh, Ray Harryhausen, or like Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, that kind of stuff. And I always wanted to just do that kind of stuff, like stop motion or Claymation animation. Um, so I did, I did a little bit of that as a kid. And then uh, I had a, a stop motion teacher in like junior college um, basically told me that it was a dying art and you should just try CG animation and so got into that um, and uh, many many years later uh, I just ended up becoming this like CG artist nomad that traveled the world and so <laughs> I went and worked in uh, Adelaide Australia for a couple years and uh, and then Canada, and then most recently in New Zealand, and just loved it so much that just decided to stay, and we're coming up on eight years in New Zealand. Right on. And and so how did how did that all lead you to electric motorcycles? Because especially going back in the early days when we first started bumping into each other online, you know, there was almost no electric motorcycles in in New Zealand, and, and now I'm regularly seeing you hooking up with a bunch of other people, and of course your charging infrastructure taken off. How did electric oh, yeah. motorcycles come into the picture? Yeah, true. Um, yeah, when I when I imported my Zero, I think it, there was only like there were two in Wellington, um, and now there are I think close to twenty in New Zealand. Um, no way. So it's really taken off. But I mean, I've, I've always been really into bikes, and my dad used to race um, like speedway or uh, dirt track stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
you know, my mom really didn't want to, you know, want me to follow in his footsteps, but couldn't really stop me once I got old enough. So got into bikes, and then around 2015, uh, I just, I don't know, I just wanted something different. I've always wanted the weird brands of, of bikes, you know, gas bikes. Um, and then I just decided, well, 2015 is such a futuristic sci-fi sounding year, you know, like that's that's when... <laughs> you know, sci-fi movies take place in 2015, so I should have a sci-fi bike. And, uh, like, yeah, living in New Zealand, you know, our our families, my wife and I are, um, are from California, and so we go back and visit every, well, we've we've been visiting every about nine months, and so um, I went back uh, end of 2015 and test rode a zero and just decided, okay, I need this, and shipped it over. I uh, went through the whole importing process, and uh, now I've I've imported three electric motorcycles. Wow! Yeah, so I was going to ask you, what's in the garage? Is there more? Is there more than just the two that I know of? Yeah, uh, just yeah. At the moment, there's just the the Zero SR and the 2020 Energica Ego. Nice. Um, there used to be a DSR, but I sold it to a friend here. Ah, oh, that's right. I saw that. Ah, oh, right. Which I was very jealous of. Jealous of actually. The DSR would have been my pick. I couldn't get one when I was uh, in the market. But I, um, uh, the DSR would be my pick actually. Uh, mm. So, so I was going to ask what you got. So, the, so you've got an SR, which is a great little, um, great little zero, nice, fast, sporty-ish, um, small, light. Um, Etc. 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 And then you've taken the plunge and made me even more jealous by getting an Energica, um, because the Energica are really, you know, I mean the specifications, especially at the top end models, are are, are really amazing, and the charging um, capabilities are really amazing. So, which one's the favourite, Sam? So that's the thing. Yeah, we were just talking about that before this this chat. Um, that's a it's a really hard question because, so. So we've, uh, for years, we've been struggling with trying to find a bike that does everything, right? Right. Uh, especially with an electric bike where the, the charging and the range come into, uh, you know, factors. Um, so the Zero does 90% of what I need, right? Like commuting, right. going going fast twisties, um, it's lightweight, it's, it's really fun, it's electric. Um, but that last 10% is so important, you know, it's the... The yeah. track days and road trips because it doesn't fast charge um so that's why i got the energica ego because a full charge from zero to 100 is 30 minutes like most of my stops are 15 minutes 20 minutes so uh, i was able to do crazy long trips like in in one day i did over 700 k's um and it was easy like wow. the the dc infrastructure just makes it so easy so Wow, because uh, the Energica, unlike the Zero, you can do DC fast charging. Yeah, yeah, and that makes a world of a difference. World of um, difference. And then, you know, track day-wise, it has a liquid-cooled motor, and it just never overheats, and it has a top speed of 240. So <laughs> it's like, it's it's basically the dream, and it also looks nice, So because it's, <laughs> it's Italian styling, you know. It it does look beautiful, and I haven't seen one in the flesh, but certainly uh, I keep looking at their website and pleading with them on social media to bring them to Australia so that I can't buy one here when yeah but but you know anyway I'll keep working on that okay (laughs) and so this leads me on and I really want to talk you know um I'm a regular on your channel and it was it was actually a really long conversation that you had with yourself 
as a lot of your episodes do, in your own helmet, just you know, telling us stories and 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 letting us inside the head of Sam Baker about the realities of what it's like charging your bikes. And you talked about swappable batteries and all those kinds of things. Um, and and there's been a lot going on, you know, for the benefit of listeners, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here, Sam, but for the benefit of listeners, one of the things that's kind of interesting about the electric motorcycle space is that you've really got kind of three different voltage platforms that the bikes operate on. You've got the small city bikes, the sort of Super Socos, Evokes, and a lot of the custom builds that we're starting to see now in the smaller sort of city bikes that all typically run around 70 volts DC. Um, it's fairly cheap, the components are fairly um, robust, you're not dealing with high power levels because they're not designed for super high power or super high performance. So 70 volts DC around that mark seems to be fairly common. Then you jump up to about 120 volt nominal where zero pretty much sits on its own out there. Um, that means you've now sort of got, you're dealing with lower currents and you know therefore less heat and all those kinds of things. Um, so that's kind of cool, but it's kind of unique to zero now. And they've stuck at it and stuck at it and stuck at it at that voltage, interestingly. Um, and then you jump up again. You jump up to around 250 to 300 volts DC, which is Harley-Davidson, KTM, Energica, and of course our favorite unicorn, the Lightning, which, you know, is a unicorn. Um, oh, yeah. they're, all up, <laughs> they're all up there at around 250, 350 volts, which... And what that means is that you can then access all the fast charges that are available. Below 200 volts, you aren't getting in there. You're just not going to get online. So um, when you were talking about fast charging, and you know, historically I know there was a lot of emphasis on, on battery swappability and that that was going to be the solution because you could pull the battery out and just go to a depot and put a new battery in. But I heard you raving about this, Sam, and talking about how you think that's kind of obsolete now with DC fast charging. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, for a long time, people thought, well, if you have a, a low-range battery, then the the easiest way to do it would be to have a service station that you could ride, you could make it there, and then you could just swap the battery out, start fresh, and you know, be on your way and go to the next right. service station, swap out, right. and it would, be, it would be way faster than charging. But with DC fast charging and, you know, in particular high-voltage batteries, like if you can get a, an even higher-voltage battery than the Energica or the Lightning, then um, you could get your charging time down to, like, 10 minutes, and that's totally doable. And so wow. then you don't, you don't need to create thousands of extra batteries. You could just keep your one battery... Um, so it's, you know, it's more environmentally friendly, it's cheaper, it just, I don't know, it just makes more sense to me to, to put more money into the infrastructure than into just building more batteries, especially because, like, you know, in, in a few months, or, you know, I was going to say a few years, but even a few months, the battery technology has changed so much that, you know, yeah. you make a thousand batteries and suddenly those are obsolete. Right. Right. And, and and if I'm not mistaken, on your last video, which I just watched this morning, actually, episode six of your trip uh, down to Invercargill and, and Milson Fjord, right? Oh, yeah, Milford, uh, yeah. Milford Sounds, yeah. Milford Fjord, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, 
if I'm not mistaken, at one point I saw you charging at 23 kilowatts. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of the standard for Energicas now. Um, which, I, yeah, that's the thing. Like the new zeros can do 12 kilowatts if you find the a fast enough AC station, which we have tons of them. You know, Australia, New Zealand, Europe have 22 kilowatt AC stations, but in the U.S. it's kind of hard. It's like you need an adapter to use a Tesla destination charger, and it's this whole mess. But yeah. but that's still only 12 kilowatts, and so 23 is a game changer. That's a game changer because the capacity on your energy is about 12 kilowatt hours, right? Um, yeah, it's uh, 13.4, but then it's usable is 11.7. U- usable 11, right. So, yeah, yeah so you, you're charging it, you know, theoretically you're, you're 100% in 30 minutes, uh, although we know it tapers off and so it takes a bit longer that. But, but, but that's really what we're talking about is, you know, you're dumping yep. in twice the at twice the rate to the capacity of the battery, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, if you time it, you know, if you do the, the typical electric road trip where you stop at 20% and charge up to 80%, it takes about, you know, 12 to 15 minutes. Magic. And so that's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Magic. That's magic. We, we, we did a road trip with a bunch of bike owners here a few years back now, or several years ago now, and a bunch of us were kitted out with multiple chargers and three-phase adapters and blah, 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 blah. And, and we were doing that same thing. We were going about 30 to thirty to 80, 80 to 90%, just running in that range constantly. And every time we sort of got down around 30%, we were, we were looking for that next three-phase outlet. But we all had, you know, the max of about four kilowatt chargers. So we, we, had, oh, time wow, for yeah. a sandwich. we had time for a sandwich and a cup of coffee <laughs> and a bit of a lay down between chargers, which made a long trip very tedious. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and be, I guess we're doing seven hundred k's in a day. Oh yeah, yeah, and with AC charging, I don't know how it is there, but here you have to bring your own cables, and so yep. your your backpack starts getting really full and heavy, and and then oh, yeah. adding you know adding those chargers to your bike just adds more weight and space. Yeah, yeah, that's right, man. That's that that's where the higher voltage stuff gets really really interesting. I think. Um. Uh. And and you know you know it's interesting. Harley have only gone for a one point four kilowatt charger on board the bike. They've got probably got the real estate. Um. But you know they're going after the U.S. market where you know at a hundred and ten volt AC they they can't really pull much more than that. So you know they sort of thought why bother? Um. They do have the DC fast charging as well though, like Energica. Um. Now, the, the other thing, speaking of high voltage, the other thing that I did think was interesting that was news this week is um, uh, that um, KTM, Piaggio, Honda and Yamaha all made an announcement about collaborating together to standardise batteries. Yeah. Now, this, this I thought was really, really cool because they've got several things in mind. One... Um, they wanted to, you know, collaborate to get their volume together, which will undoubtedly help drive down um, price, drive up specifications. So we should end up with better, longer-range batteries at a lower price. Win, 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 right? Everybody wins on that. Um, they also talked about safety, and they particularly talked about swappability, which I think is a bit of a nod towards the fact that they're not going. Those guys are not looking to build long-range bikes, as far as we can see. So far, they're building city bikes, and so. Smaller capacity, sort of four or five kilowatt hour batteries that are, you know, just manageable to get out of the bike is an issue that they're trying to address. And secondly, they're also trying to address second use. So, that, you know, when that battery's 50% depleted, you can't use it so well in a bike, but you can, 
you can maybe use it in a home as a secondary battery. And so they're looking to also solve that. Um, and, and the hope of that is that we'll come out with a standardized voltage out of all of that. What's your take on that, Sam? You know, is, is, you know, given what you're saying, is, are we, are we going to see a split here where we have, you know, part of the industry that has these smaller, lower voltage batteries that are swappable and in the other part of the industry in the sort of tour sort of sport part of the industry, we're probably going to end up with higher voltages and DC charging. Is that, what do you think? Yeah, that's exactly what I think, actually. <laughs> Cause, I oh, mean, really? The, yeah, the swappable battery stuff for city bikes and commuters and stuff works really well in China. Like, you have those vending machines with the, the batteries that you just, like, put yours in, and then you take another one out. And uh, I think the GoGoRo or something? Go -Go yeah, the little scooters. Korean bike, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that really works for those, but I don't know. I mean... Uh, I don't know if you experienced this, uh, you could tell me, but uh, with your Zero, you know, you it works perfectly for commuting, right? You ride to work and back, right. and it's great. Um, but then eventually you want to see how far you can ride, and so you ride <laughs> to the very limit of the battery. Yep. And then you're like, well, if this is my only bike, I want it to be able to go further, and so you have to modify it or buy another one that can go further. And so I feel like the... The small battery, low voltage thing is cool for commuting, but it can't be your only bike. And so if if they want people to go electric and, and be electric full time, then they also need the higher voltage, bigger batteries. Um, which, have you heard about what kind of bikes they want to make? Only, only what you've probably seen online as well, and certainly Honda and Yamaha so far have both mostly talked about off-road bikes, um, okay. where you know lightweight um, and swappability has obvious advantages because it's kind of recreational stuff. You're not looking yeah. to do long range. You're just you know smashing out some some air over some forty foot jumps and stuff, and then you're exhausted and you need to sit for an hour and you know have a Red Bull and. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and KTM are kind of going after the same market, actually. So, right. yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the new, uh, have you seen the, the Saran Storm B? Yes, I have. That's looking that's, pretty cool, too. Yeah, and they also have swappable batteries, but they're like 30 kilo, uh, 30 kilo batteries. So yep. It's, yep. it's not, yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you have a, a ute or something, you have an extra battery in the back, then it's perfect. Yeah. Exactly, and 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 it strikes me that you know you wouldn't want to be carting a thirty kilo battery up ten floors of of, of stairs or anything. Yeah. But 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 if you had to, you could, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it 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 does offer that. And the other thing that I was trying to get to um, uh, with this is, you know, if they come to a, a kind of a standardised modular battery, and we saw a few of the racing motorcycle teams um, back in the early days of the Isle of Man TT Zero where they had swappable packs and they could kind of add packs in a modular and they were building really small little packs and Bra even Bramo did this. They had lots of small packs. And oh, in fact, right. Bramo run a, ran a high voltage architecture as well. They ran, oh, someone was telling me yesterday, I think it was 300 odd volts or 400 odd volts. Oh, wow. And so they ran this modular architecture where if you needed range, you added more packs, right? Yep. And so to me, this, and that gives you a kind of modular construction 
uh, feel as well. And so, you know, it sort of struck me, like Zero tried to do with the FX, right? You could yeah. have two packs or one pack, depending on whether you wanted to extend your range a little bit or you wanted a lightweight for, for fun and adventure. And um, I'm kind of hopeful that they're going to head down that route. And, and one of the things I learned, Sam, was thinking about the household battery market for this as well is that LG Chem have a, a very popular range of household battery. They typically 48 volts, but they also do a high voltage version of 400 volts. Huh. And uh, my good friend uh, Brett Sutherland from El Mofo was telling me they cracked one open because, you know, they can't resist. They'll tear anything down, especially <laughs> if it's a battery. And, um, and went, how are they getting 400 volts out of this thing in this package? And inside's a DC to DC converter. Oh, no. So clearly LG, um, and I'm sure others too, are capable of building DC to DC converters. So, you know, if you've got a nominal pack voltage of 70 volts because everyone decides that's great for, you know, little urban commuters, put 10 together, put a freaking DC to DC on it and off you go, you know, something to control it. It sounds well, easy so, to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I heard a rumor that Zero is doing that. Oh, really? Um, yep, in order to get CCS charging to work. Just to just to up the voltage just enough so you can DC charge zero. Put a DC converter on it. Yep. Damn but, straight. I mean, it's yeah. We're still waiting for that to come out, so who knows? But who yeah, knows? That's, yeah. that's the rumor. Well, well, it's a cool. I mean, DC converters are a sort of ubiquitous across the electronics industry. So you mm. know, I um I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, so so yeah, so. Uh, so yeah, you're on the same page as me then. That that, maybe there's this well, swappable solution, and then we need a bigger solution, right? So that is that is a cool idea though to have swappable packs that you could use at home to charge your house or power your house, and then you can put them in your bike. But then you could also potentially use that in your car too. Like if you had a Honda car and a Honda bike, then oh, you know you're, you're only you're only driving one at one time. You could put all the packs in one. Or yeah, you're your lightweight motorcycle versus your long-range touring motorcycle. It could be the same bike, like same frame, but just a few packs less. That's wow. actually a really cool idea. That is a really cool idea. I, could, I can envisage my electric tourer parked in the garage next to my electric motocross bike and being able to just, being able to just you know, go, okay, I'm going out on the motocross bike this weekend and I'm going to pull a couple of packs out of my Honda yeah. electric wing. Exactly. Because it wouldn't be a gold wing. It'd be a, it'd be a, what would it be? It'd be a proton wing or something. <laughs> I'll, pull, I'll pull two or three packs out and take them out the bush with me and leave them in the back of the U and I can swap them out. I'm like, I like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah. That would work. Okay. So, so hopefully they do that. I mean, yeah, something that bugs me is that um, Honda's had the, the Mugen race team that's been winning Isle of Man TT forever. Forever. And yet, and yet, where are those production race bikes? Like, we want, we want those bikes on the street, you know? We sure do, man. And they are a class ahead, right? They're oh, yeah. Miles ahead. Miles ahead. So, yeah, I'm with you. And the Mugen's just a sick piece of kit, you know, really, 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 you know, right up there, only a few seconds off the pace of, um, you know, traditional ice bikes. Oh, yeah. They're talking about the other aspect I wanted to talk briefly about before we wrap up, Sam, was, you know, managing charging right this is something you you've had to deal with you know in ac terms and carrying around packs of cables and extension cords and yeah. uh, you know single phase to three phase conversion and all that kind of stuff and then the other part 
is controlling that charging and monitoring that charging and, and understanding what's happening. And as an owner, I know this is something that I've really grappled with because when you put your bike on charge somewhere uh, and walk off to get a cup of coffee while it's charging, if you don't know what's happening and the charger stops charging, you're back to square one, right? And you've suddenly wasted half an hour or an hour. Is Bluetooth good enough or... Do you think we can expect to see SIM cards embedded in bikes like we see in the latest gen of high-performance bikes and, and most cars have SIM cards built in? You know, what's the deal with monitoring and, and comms, Sam? What's your experience there? Um, well, yeah, my experience so far has been that none of the bikes have it yet uh, <laughs> and they definitely need it. And I think the SIM card thing is a great idea because, uh, well, my mind just goes straight to somebody's going to steal this bike and I want to track it down. <laughs> Right. But, uh, but yeah, being able to be at a cafe, not in, you know, walking distance to your bike or something and, and knowing exactly where, where it's at, you know? Um, so the late, the latest zeros have a SIM card offer for the first two years, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The Cypher 3 thing. Yeah. 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 True. Uh, but the Energica doesn't. No, not yet. Um. Wow. I don't know why. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I saw one of the electric uh, car makers come out with a car recently and they can't do over-the-air software, uh, software updates because they have no SIM card fitted. And I went, how do you build a 70 or $80,000 electric car and not slap a SIM card and a SIM card reader in it, for goodness sake? It just seems yeah. so logical now. <laughs> and, I mean, chargers are getting smarter and smarter and smarter, right? But if I'm not mistaken, Sam, I mean, you... You have to engage in that process, right? You have to be sort of involved in charging. It's not a set and forget thing, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, like you said, if there's a fault or something and the station turns off or, you know, something lights on fire, you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the fire word. We don't talk about fire oh, yeah. <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. And so have you had situations where you've plugged in walked away and come back and gone oh damn it's not charging yep yep a million times unfortunately oh, wow. wow yeah um i mean that happened on the zero a lot where we would leave for lunch come back an hour later and it hadn't charged at all because there was some some little flashy red error on the dash and you know some cable like i, I had to take apart the uh the whole charging stuff a million times just because like either a cable was frayed or there was water in the pan. Um, just, yeah, it's just a million things. So it would be good to know exactly what's going on at all times. Like if if uh, it had a SIM card and it just like sent you a little prompt saying, hey, there's a problem or, right, you know, you've been unplugged or something like that. that that'd be cool. Right, right. Well, I love it, Sam. So here we go. So here's the perfect, here's the perfect scenario we want. A ubiquitous, universally swappable battery pack that'll fit multiple makes and brands and be usable in the home, right? Yeah. We want high-voltage DC conversion to allow us to use that in high-speed DC charging if we so choose. Yep, definitely. Uh, uh, we want the ability for them to be integrated into home power systems or other applications. Uh, so you need to provide us with some inverters and some electronic gear that allows us to couple it up with our zappies or other things that we're using in the home. Again, simple plug-in and, 
Um, so we need a high quality, uh, reliable, safe interconnection hardware. Yep. And uh, and then we just need a SIM card and a modem built in so that we can keep track of what's going on no matter where it is. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds perfect. Right. It's and it doesn't, so sound, it doesn't sound like we're asking too much, I think. I think it's possible. No. I think it's definitely possible. Oh, there you go. That's a wrap. That's We worked it out. <laughs> We've worked it out. The future. <laughs> the future. So, yeah, okay. So, um, well, this is good because, you know, I'm going to look back on this podcast in a few years' time, Sam, and see where we landed and see how right we were. I suspect we're probably pretty close, but it'll be interesting to look back um you've um you've done your big tour you've spent a lot of time buried in a bunker editing video <laughs> footage in your fantastic series of your road trip what's coming up next uh up next i either want to get a storm bee and oh. and go off road or well and or if i can do both then that'd be cool but the the other one is convert a car to electric using um, some kind of motorcycle stuff, either Zero or Energica. Oh, wow. Swap so, the drivetrain into a car. Yep. It's a, it nice. seems like the easiest way. You know, it's lightweight, and uh, it's just one of those bucket list things that I've always wanted to do, just, you know, convert a car to electric. Fantastic. Fantastic. Sam, yeah. I really um, wanted to congratulate you on what you've done. I know a lot of people are watching um, your, your show and, and we look forward to every episode. And I congratulate you on just telling the story, telling the world and telling the story what it's like to own electric motorbikes and how freaking cool it is. So thank you for that, man. And thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been great. Good on you. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by Solaray Energy. Solaray Energy has been designing and installing solar and storage solutions for electric vehicle owners since EVs first arrived in Australia. There's a smarter way to run your EV from Solaray. Visit solaray.com.au forward slash the driven.